as you uh, as you look at your outline sheet, and I hope you have one um, because it's uh, there's a fair bit there. Uh, if you haven't got one now, um, certainly get one uh, as you leave because uh, I think it'll, there's some things that'll be a help to you. But um, as we look at the outline, uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, you'll notice, uh, uh, first of all, on the front there, that we have uh, a uh, sort of a tabulation which shows the literary structure uh, of uh, this portion of the book of Genesis. Okay, we're looking at the generations of Noah. That's that portion from chapter 6, verse 9, through to chapter 9, verse 29. And as you look at the literary structure, you can see that today, being in chapter 7, we have uh, Noah entering the ark, and that, along with chapter 8, uh, Noah leaving the ark. That's really the climax of this section. And uh, it's good to see it laid out there, the literary structure of this portion of Genesis. But also, uh, there's extended notes there, um, a couple of pages by Henry Morris on the biblical evidence for a worldwide flood. And uh, we won't be covering that today, but uh, there in your hand, you have a very, very valuable resource. Uh, he's done some tremendous work, and uh, it's a, I trust it'll be a blessing and encouragement to you in these uh, days of uh, skepticism and uh, denial of uh, the uh, literal interpretation of Scripture. But our passage this morning is Genesis chapter 7, and before we look at that, I'd like us to turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and I'd like to uh, read from verse 1 to Noah Hebrews 11 verse 1 by faith sorry now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good report through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so the things which are seen were not made of things that which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Uh, verse 7 there is a key verse for us in understanding um, Genesis 7 and understanding uh, about Noah and about Enoch and about Abel and about so many other people in the Old Testament. And this is one of the reasons why we have to read our Bible from beginning to end because there are some things in the beginning of the Bible that we're not told and we're not told them until we get to the end of the Bible and at the end of the Bible, we read, we learn that things in Genesis and the people in Genesis were people of faith. And that's actually not mentioned in Genesis, that word, faith. I don't think it's mentioned in the Bible until <clears throat> the book of Deuteronomy. 
And yet, um, the New Testament authors, under inspiration, had more insight than we naturally do. And they help us to understand what was actually happening. And as we do our Bible study, we can do word studies. And we can look up the word faith. But you won't find anything in the early chapters of Genesis there. It's not till we get to the book of Hebrews, for example, and other places where we can, uh, in light of what we're told in the New Testament, we can now understand better what was happening way back there. Hebrews 11.7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, in, in seeking to encourage his readers to endure and to persevere and to continue trusting the Lord despite the difficulties, the author of Hebrews cannot avoid mentioning Noah. For in Noah, faith shines forth brightly. Verse 7 begins, By faith Noah. And then it goes on to speak about his fear, being moved with fear. Then it goes on further to speak about his obedience. For at the command of God, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. But what we need to understand is that at the back of everything that Noah did was his faith in God. His faith was the thing that led to his fear. His faith was the thing that produced obedience. Nothing in Noah is held up before us an example, but that which is the outworking of faith, faith is key. Therefore, to begin this morning, we must look well, brethren, to our faith. It's a question I ask everyone this morning. Do you have faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe? Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Are you resting in the promise of a faithful God? If not, then you're outside of the kingdom of God. Verse 6 tells us very clearly, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, with faith in Christ, we are accepted in the Beloved. By faith, we become children, beloved children of God, children in whom the Lord is well pleased. Noah faced a great crisis of faith. He was called to build an ark. The only vessel of salvation in the midst of a universal destruction. But before this great test came, before he understood what God intended to do, Noah believed God. Now we know that he did because we read back in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9 that Noah walked with God. And in his common conduct he's described as being a just man and perfect in his generation and to be just in the sight of God is not possible apart from faith. For in God's economy we are justified by faith. Faith is the thing that is counted for righteousness. So it's a great thing to have faith when a terrible crisis comes, a terrible trial comes. But the first essential is to have faith for ordinary everyday life. The just shall walk by faith. Faith is a 
vital part of our daily Christian lives. And no doubt Noah could serve uh, as an example for us of numerous virtues. But he has much to to teach us about faith. And not just about living day by day by faith, but also about the nature of faith. So on your outline sheet this morning we have seven headings, seven ways in which Noah is an example to us, his faith is an example to us but also seven ways in which he helps us to understand the nature of faith. So let's turn back, please, to Genesis chapter 7. Firstly, we learn here that faith is a response to revelation. Faith is a response to revelation. One of the most well-known verses in the book of Romans is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And Noah is a perfect example of that. Noah heard the word of God. We see that first back in Genesis chapter 6, where God spoke to Noah and revealed certain things about himself. He revealed certain things to Noah about his natural attributes. He communicated to Noah that he was all-knowing. And nothing was hid from him. He was fully aware of everything that everyone was doing. And when God revealed that to Noah, Noah believed it. And he revealed to Noah about his moral attributes. How that he is holy. And that his holy nature is grieved by the sinfulness of mankind. And when God revealed that to Noah, Noah believed it. Not only did God reveal to Noah certain things about himself, he also revealed to Noah his intentions for creation. He said in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, the end of all flesh is come before me. And he also told Noah that he would destroy the earth with a cataclysmic flood. And when he revealed that to Noah, even though nothing like this had ever happened before, Noah believed it. And he told Noah to build an ark, chapter 6, verse 14. The length of it was about one and a half football fields long, so that he and his family and anyone else who longed to be saved, along with all the animals, even though such an idea seemed absolutely ridiculous to 99.99% of the people, Noah believed it. And when Noah was invited by the Lord, chapter 7, verse 1, to come thou and all thy house into the ark, Noah took what must have been a very, very difficult step, a step out of everything that was familiar and understandable to him and a step into a situation that was completely, in many ways, incomprehensible. And yet he believed God. Hebrews 11.7 By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Brethren, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. In it, he reveals to us things about himself, about his natural attributes, about his moral attributes. He reveals to us his person. 
He reveals to us his dealings in the past. He reveals to us his intentions in the future. And certainly speaking about that, there's a lot of warnings that are there. Serious warnings in the word of God. And the question about God's word, brethren, is never, is it true? The question is always, do we believe it? That's the question. Do we believe it? Today we live in an age of incredible scepticism, especially scepticism about creation and the universal flood. In spite of the fact that there's abundance of evidence, our faith is often under attack. Spurgeon says this, as only Spurgeon can. He says, at times you and I are assailed as to our faith in the Bible by people who say, how do you make that out? It is in the scripture, certainly, but how do you reconcile it with science? Let your reply be. We no longer live in the region of argument as to the word of the Lord, but we dwell in the realm of faith. We're not squabblers itching to prove our superiority in reasoning, but we are children of light, worshipping our God by bowing our whole minds to the obedience of faith. We would be humble and learn to believe that we cannot altogether comprehend and to expect that we should never have looked for uh, and to expect that we should never have looked for had not the Lord declared it. It is our ambition to be great believers rather than to be great thinkers, to be childlike in our faith rather than subtle in intellect. We are sure that God is true. Like Noah, we stagger not at the word of God because of evident improbability or apparent impossibility. What the Lord has spoken, he is able to make good and none of his words shall fall to the ground. The question is, do we believe it? We Christians become skeptical sometimes. Do we believe it? And that's a serious question because in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4 we're told how the Israelites, the nation of Israel, did not enter into the promised land and that they are, that is recorded in the book of Hebrew as a warning for us, for it says in chapter 4 verse 2, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now you may not necessarily want to put a sticker on the front of your Bible that says faith and we probably never paint the word faith up here above the pulpit or behind the pulpit but we're going to have to come up with some way of reminding ourselves that every time we hear the word of God, every time the word of God is open, every time the word of God comes before our eyes or into our ears, our response must be to believe it. For faith, first and foremost, is a response to God's revelation, what God has revealed to us. Second, faith is a readiness to obey. A readiness to obey. Throughout this section of scripture, Noah's obedience to the commands of God is emphasized over and over and over again. Chapter 6, verse 14, we have God's initial command, make thee an ark of go for wood. Verse 22, we see Noah's obedience. Thus did Noah. 
according to all that God commanded him. So did he. Chapter 7, verse 1, we have another command. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Verse 5, we see his obedience. Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. It's repeated in verse 7. Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark. His obedience was personal. Notice that Noah went in, but his obedience, his faith, was also influential because his sons and his wife and his sons' wife also went in. But again, his obedience was repeated again at the end of verse 9. As God commanded Noah. Again at the end of verse 16. As God commanded him. James reminds us, chapter 2, verse 17, that even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And that's a lesson that James may have learned from Noah. For no sooner had God's command come to Noah to build the ark, and God had given him the instructions, then by faith, by faith, Noah got to work building this massive ark. And no sooner had he finished the tasks than God gave him another one. Chapter 7, verse 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take unto thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Verse 3. Of fowls also, of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. And the task of building the ark and then getting all the animals into the ark, the task of feeding them and caring for them was immense. And the responsibility thrust upon Noah was enormous. And the incongruity of the situation was patently obvious. And yet Noah steadfastly obeyed. In other words, his faith worked Brethren, as we come to the word of God each day, our affirmation is to say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And our prayer to complete the sentence should be, what will they have me to do? Lord, I believe. What will they have me to do? For faith that is genuine will work. It stands ready to obey the commands of God. As we read them in the scriptures, love your enemies. Faith stands to obey. Be a witness for Christ. Resist temptation. Be at peace with all men. Render good for evil. Faith stands ready to obey. Despite the immensity of the task, despite the enormity of the responsibility, despite the incongruity or even the impossibility of the situation grace will come enabling grace from God will be supplied as we move forward by faith but it's faith that takes the first step and the next step and the next step and the next step for we walk by faith the just shall live by faith faith is a readiness to obey Thirdly, faith is a resource of power. There are several things that stand out in this section, verses 6 through 16. 
The first thing is to note the repetition. At the, end of, at, at the end of chapter 6, God gave Noah the initial command that uh, along with his family to take the animals into the ark, male and female, end of chapter 6. Then that command is repeated and amplified, chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. But then when we come to chapter uh, verse 6, 6 through 10, we now have the narrative of Noah's compliance which is then repeated and amplified in verses 11 through 16. So we have this pattern of command and compliance, command and compliance, command and compliance, running through this whole section to make sure that we understand that this is the pattern of Noah's life. This is the life of faith. There's another thing that stands out in this section is the multiple references to days and months and years. Not just in this section, verses 6 through 16, but across these chapters 7 and 8. Probably no other biblical event is so comprehensively dated as the flood. There are repeated references through here to, to days and months and years. About eight such references in verses 1 through 16, another one at the end of verse 24, eight more in chapter 8. It's as though Noah's keeping a diary day by day, month by month. All the passing of these monumental events, this incredible catastrophe through which he passed. And while there is great detail is recorded concerning the number of the days, that Noah's even in the ark, let's not forget God's description of the days in which Noah lived before going into the ark. Let's remember that the earth was a very, very, very wicked place, yet for 600 years, Noah had lived triumphantly amongst his unbelieving contemporaries. His life was a triumph of grace and faith no man could expect to find within himself the resources to live as Noah lived. In building the ark, he had power to take decisive action as his society drifted towards self-destruction. In being a preacher of the gospel for all those years, 120 years, he exhibited the power to make incisive, incisive declarations to those people who wouldn't even listen, though he kept on sharing the, gospel, the message with them. And in walking with God for all those years and living righteously in his generation, remember it was a wicked, wicked, wicked generation, he had the power to put forth an alternative attitude from the one that was prevailing in, amongst the people of his day. And yet this is the power that we see at work in the lives of people who live by faith. You read Hebrews 11 people of faith and many of them accomplished remarkable things they lived triumphantly and even those who were treated very very poorly by this world died victoriously they died gloriously they exhibited a remarkable power in the way that they even endured trials like Noah many of them found themselves in impossible situations 
And yet, as Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believeth. And what it, whatever it is that God tells us to do in his word, whatever it is that faith would have us to move forward in obedience, God will provide the grace for us and continue to provide the grace for us as we continue to move forward, obeying the Lord, trusting the Lord, step by step, living by faith. Number four, faith is a relationship of trust. In verses 1 to 4, chapter 7, verse 1 to 4, God speaks to Noah. God had spoken to him 120 years earlier. At that time, God revealed his intentions for creation, his plans for humanity, gave instructions concerning the ark and the animals, and assured Noah that the flood would indeed come on time according to schedule. And for those 100 years, the ark was a preparing, Peter says. And for all those years, there was no further word from heaven. Nothing for 120 years. Noah had his instructions, got 120 years, go to work. And so he did. And yet he heard nothing else for 120 years. And no doubt Noah heard plenty of other things from all the people around about him as he built and as he preached. But God was silent. Yet Noah proceeded steadily, faithfully with his unique mission, his ministry, obeying the commandments of God without question. Finally, the ark was completed. 120 years would be up in a few days. The great-great-grandfather Methuselah, who had served the Lord longer than anyone else on earth had lived, was now on his deathbed. And there it was, after more than a century of silence, God once again spoke to Noah, chapter 7, verse 1. Come thou, and all thy house into the ark. And when Noah took this next big step of faith, entering into the ark, chapter 16, sorry, verse 16 says that the Lord shut him in. Suggesting to us, I think, that the Lord gently and firmly was reassuring Noah that he'd done everything that he needed to do, he'd done the right thing, and he was indeed secure. Noah's faith had been in evidence for 120 years while ever the ark was being constructed. And now his faith had to persevere during the year, the year that the flood was upon the earth. And for that whole year, again, perhaps strangely, Noah heard nothing else from God during that period. He had to go on trusting thick and thin whether he could see whether he could understand or not brethren it's one thing to have the word of God open before us to read it often to hear it often to affirm Lord I believe and to pray Lord what will you have me to do and, and often the answer to that question is there before us in black and white God speaks to us through his word 
But what about when God doesn't speak to you specifically about your situation, your particular situation? You've been praying about some problem, some person, some need for a long time and the answer is not coming. You may have been praying for the last six months and the Lord hasn't given you any answer. And perhaps you're at the point where you doubt whether the Lord hears prayer at all. At such times as that, and I think perhaps we've all been there, uh, at such times as that we're not at all like Noah. Maybe you say, well, I've been praying about a situation for 20 years, 20 years, and I haven't heard from God. What would you do if another 100 years was added to that? The years made Noah's faith more mature, not more feeble. He continued his building, he continued his preaching, he continued his intercession, and without doubt waited for God, trusted God to provide the answer in his time. Faith is a relationship of trust. Fifthly, faith is a rebuke to unfaithfulness. Verse 17 tells us that the flood was upon the earth 40 days. And it's also mentioned back in verse 4. <clears throat> and the language which is used from 17 to 22, the languages is used to describe the flood is very descriptive of a violent, churning, whirling cataclysm. The repetitions of the, in these brief verses of waters, mentioned five times, increased two times, prevailed three times, exceedingly once, greatly once, covered twice, every twice, all four times. All of this underscores the sense of the escalating waters. Verse 11 says, the foundations of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the result being, verse 21, all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was, and all that was in the dry land died. Now, no doubt there were people who felt that they had no warning about this, and they shook their incredulous fists at heaven. But the judgment was not a divine whim. Peter reveals God's patience through all this period. First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. They had been given plenty of notice and Noah was a faithful proclaimer. The clock is ticking. He'd been warning mankind for over a century. Brethren, it's a principle with God that he witnesses in two ways to an age about the coming of judgment. Two ways he witnesses. One is by faithful preaching precedes it. And secondly, by the fulfillment of prophecy 
precedes it. By sermons and by signs, God bears witness that judgment is coming. In that far off world, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And he faithfully preached and unfortunately history demonstrates that his witness was not listened to. And the judgment came. But there was also fulfilment of prophecy. Methuselah died. His name was a prophecy. When he dies, it shall come, his name means. And the death of Methuselah was an ominous sign to that generation. There were other signs as well. What a strange and disturbing sight it must have been for everyone to see all those animals gathering around and walking up the ark. No doubt the rationalists had some sort of explanation for that, behaviour of animals. In any case, that sign was ignored too, as was Noah's preaching. Noah was described by God as, a, as righteous before me in this generation, chapter 7, verse 1, which was no doubt a delight to God, but in all probability Noah was an irritation to society. His godly life was a rebuke to all. They stood condemned by his faithfulness to God. Brethren, it is impossible to please God without sometimes dis displeasing people who oppose him. The Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, sorry, 2, verses 15 and 16, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are a savour of death unto death, and to the other a savour of life unto life. It is, a, it is well known that the same sun that melts wax also hardens clay. And of course it's not the sun's properties that change. Rather, it is the properties of the different materials on which the sun shines which are revealed by the heat. And in the same way, in the parable of the sower, Jesus told us that the same seed scattered in different places will produce entirely different results, not because the seed alters, but because the seeds reveal what kind of soil it's landed on. And whether it be the sun that is shining or the seed that is landing or the word that's being preached or the glowing testimony of a Christian, the same rule applies. There are those who will warmly respond to the godly testimony of a radiant Christian man or woman and the same person's testimony has an impact upon others and they are absolutely furious about it. They're irritated no end by the same testimony of the same person. It's just a demonstration of what is inside the heart of the hearer or the observer of the testimony. And it's also an indication, sadly, of the spiritual destiny of those whose hearts are cold towards the things of God. Now, I'm sure all of us would much prefer to be a saver of Christ rather than a saver of death. We'd rather be a fragrance of Christ rather than an aroma of death. But unfortunately, we are not free to choose what we will be because that is determined by the reaction of the people who listen 
to what we say and see what we do. But by building the, the ark, Noah offered salvation to those who would respond in faith. But to those who refused it, it was an awful situation of loss and dismay as people perished under the floods of judgments. But to those who entered in, it was a blessing and a delight, which brings us to point number six. Faith is a release of blessings. First of all, there were the blessings that Noah's faith brought to his own life. Because in a very real sense, he was justified by his faith. That was the the thing that put him in a position before God, whereby God would declare him righteous. He was a man of faith. And faith released a blessing in his own life. This is the basis on which he was saved. God was gracious to him, justified him on the basis of a response of faith. But secondly... This blessing of faith in Noah's life also spilled over into his family's experience. Verse 23 says, Every living substance was destroyed upon, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and fowl of the heavens, and they were all destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. As we said before, Noah's faith was personal. But it was also influential. It had a, his faith, his life of faith, had a great impact upon those who knew him, saw it day in, day out. And brethren, so it is. So it is. Faith in our lives be a blessing in the lives of others. Then thirdly, there is a benefit that we ourselves today Receive from Noah's faith as we read the account of it and we examine our own faith like Abel. Noah being dead yet speaketh. He is one of God's faithful witnesses. He ran his race well. He finished his course. He urges us onwards to keep our eyes fixed upon the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Finally, faith is a reminder to the faithful. Noah's actually mentioned in several other places in the Bible. He's mentioned by Ezekiel a couple of times, along with Job and Daniel. Ezekiel mentions Noah and Job and Daniel as being the three most godly people in the world as far as he is concerned. But Noah's also mentioned by Jesus in perhaps an unexpected way. It's not so much a mention of Noah himself, but on the days of which Noah lived. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 38, that in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. In other words, yes, we know from other places that the people in that time were very very wicked and deserving of God's judgment but they're also people who were just getting along with their lives ignoring this man in their midst who was preaching and teaching and building a massive boat in their minds going to sail nowhere perhaps they got so used to him seeing him working and hearing him preaching and nothing ever happened 
And they therefore assumed that nothing ever would happen. He thought he was wrong in his dire predictions. But the judgment fell. And as the Lord Jesus Christ reminded his hearers, he said, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Noah's faith and his faithfulness are powerful reminders to us to keep looking to the glorious appearing, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, And when the rapture, when the rapture comes, when the tribulation begins, most people will have just been getting along with their lives, just living their lives, ignoring Christians here and there that they meet, They've been speaking to them about Jesus, speaking to them about a way of escaping the judgment of God, speaking about the judgment of God which is coming, repent and believe the gospel. People just go about their lives. Noah still had, has something to say to God's people today. For when the Lord returns, not only will the average Joe Blow just be getting along with their lives as normal fearing nothing, thinking nothing. And there are many Christians who will basically be doing the same thing. Just swept up with the spirit of the age, just going about our lives. Ignoring the desperate situation of those round about us that are perishing. In the days of Noah, the righteous judgment of an offended God fell. And in the midst of all of that horror, there was one man and his family who were secure in the serenity of a faith, which released in their lives and through them tremendous resources of grace. And that faith serves as a model for us. Brethren, how's your faith today? Is it growing? Is it maturing? Are you responsive to God's revelation? When you hear the word of God, when you read the word of God, is your reaction, immediate reaction, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Maybe help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Are you ready to obey? Lord, what will you have me to do? If you've got a good memory, probably you don't need a pen or a pencil. But if you don't have a great memory, maybe it's good always to have a pen or a pencil handy when we read the Bible, when we go to church, because when God tells us something we need to do, we need to make a note of it and, and do it. And if we can't remember it, then we need to write it down. Because this is, this is the life of faith. It stands ready to obey. And as we continue to obey the Lord in such things, whatever he tells us to do, do you as Noah did, and as people of faith do, do you find yourself doing things that really you have no resource in yourself to be able to do these things? How is it possible? Just live by faith. And God undertakes. Is there a relationship of trust? Yes, let's ask. Let's continue to ask. Go on asking, 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 asking. But in the, in the meanwhile, are we, con are we content to leave it in God's hands and trust God to provide the answer in his time, in his way. Is your life a rebuke to the godliness, godlessness around you? Are you a source of blessing to those whose hearts are responsive to the Lord? 
Is your faith a reminder to others to be faithful? Or do you need reminding yourself this morning that the Lord's coming is near? And when he comes, the church goes and judgment will fall. But in the meantime, there's much work for us to do. Faith works. Amen. Let's pray.